Hi, everyone. Before we begin the show, we want to share a podcast with you that we're loving right now and that we know you're going to love too. It's called Future Hindsight, and it's a podcast that takes big ideas about civic life and democracy and turns them into action items for you and me. Hosted by Mila Atmos, listen to their new season on The Social Contract out now. Welcome to episode 100 of the Muck Muck Podcast and Affiliate. I loved it. No, stay with it. An affiliate of the Odd Pods Media Network. Listen in as we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Hadamio. And I'm Hillary Dougherty. <gasps> Tina! <laughs> oh my God. Tina! It did is I, our right? 100th episode. <laughs> what, what, what? Do you believe this is 100? No, I'm, I, uh, I'm exhausted by We're, podcasting. So maybe, maybe. Oh I'm, my <laughs> God. We have. It's funny. I was telling my mom, it's 100 muck episodes, but like yes. total, we're like 139. Yes. Maybe, of, more. Like, maybe, maybe more. Maybe more of, re- of other episodes. Yes. I mean, Jesus, Maron. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. But it's good. And it's the fact, fucking good. And the fact that there's still so many people to be covered on this show. Yeah, it never ends. It's never ending. It never ends. And it's there's so many people ending. who still need to listen. Yes. Like, we need you. Yeah, please. Can you, can you please make us famous? It's our 100th episode. I We're mean, doing a lot of work here. Yeah. Can you guys help <laughs> us out? Just spread the word. Yes. Spread the word. Come I mean, on. I have, so my only notes for this, for this episode are about... Um, you know, first, it's a huge accomplishment, okay? Because yes. this is this is very difficult to do every week. Even our our executive producer and BFF, Alfredo, was like, just do like two months and take five months off. And I'm like, that's not how it works. No, you know, you got to be dedicated. No. You got to yes. show up every week. Um, the dedication and the hard work that both of us have put into this through everything that has happened the last two years. I know, it's crazy. a lot. It's I mean, crazy. you're, you know, being a survivor of cancer that happened in the middle of making this yes. podcast. You're whole emotional roller coaster that you're going through yes is current this has Um, been this has been like my I don't want to say my saving grace but like I love it I can't tell you how much I love podcasting I I love this podcast I love Lil Muck yeah, I'm so proud of Loma. I'm so proud of Loma. I, I, the fact looking that it's, back it's awesome at, at the and people it's that we've had yes. is incredible. <gasps> oh, Tina. We've had some incredible people on. Absolutely. And it's going to continue to be amazing. Yeah. Yes. So it'll continue until we get Judge Judy finally. Yeah. But then that'll be that'll be <gasps> Judge, the piece de resistance. Can you imagine Judge Judy? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I love it. I love it. Oh but I was God. thinking, too, about, you know, you and I meeting and loving my favorite yes. murder, you know, be, knowing we were murderinos, like I was instantly connected to you, but then we were friends, but we were not, we were friends. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And then doing the podcast together <gasps> has been, you know, you've become one of my best friends. Oh my God, I love you. See, I love you too. And like <laughs> seeing you every week, it's a huge deal. Like yes. it's a big deal to be able to be here with you or at my house or, yes. you know, our kids getting to know each other. And like, it's just... It's been amazing. It's like your family. Yes. It's your family. I, I told you this before that there are like the people on my hand and you are one of the oh, people on my hand. Like definitely. my forever people. For, for <gasps> real. For real. Now I'm going to cry. It's a real now, thing. Now I'm going to break down. But, uh, you know, the joy I get out of podcasting, I can't even tell you. And I, I, I mean, the support that we've received, yes. the friends we have made in podcasting. The community is the just community so cool. is incredible. So cool. There's a whole world out there that yeah. people don't even know about. And I know I mentioned the Ghostbusters episode, uh, a movie in the last episode. There's a kid in it who's adorable and he's, he's, his name is podcast. And so like, <laughs> when, <laughs> when the little girl meets him, he oh takes a mic God. out and he's like, and he's setting up a whole thing. And he asks her a question and she's like, what's happening right now? He's like, I have a podcast. And he says, he starts talking about it. He goes, and she's like, and your name is podcast. He's like, well, I just call myself that. It's like a promotion thing. And oh it was like, so it hit home so much where he was like, we really get our voice on episode 46. <laughs> <laughs> I said to Declan, I said to my son at the time, I go, you have no idea how on point this kid is about being a podcaster. Like it's so real. It so it's so, funny. it's so real. Listen, and we talked about this before, but there are so many podcasts that just, they kind of, there's all these podcasts out there, but a yeah. lot of them don't make it past six months. Don't they make don't. it past it's a hard. year. It's hard. It's really hard. And I just appreciate having an incredible co-host. Yeah. 
who Same. is like serious, who like does the work. Like it's just like a perfect, I feel like the, it's just perfect. I, I agree. I know that we both have the same work ethic when it comes to yes. it. I know that you're going to be prepared when you come into there. I know that you're going to hold me accountable. Like I show up because I'm like, oh, Tina's going to be there. I got to be there, right? Same, like you're holding, same, you're holding same. each other accountable. Yes. Like if we were doing it on our own, you know, I think it falls off quickly yes. that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's not as fun. No, 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 no. To no. have like no, I react. if I'm screaming, I need to look at Tina, <laughs> who's like either laughing quietly or staring at me like, what's happening? Or saying, or at the end of it, she goes, okay, well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's and our perfect. personalities are good. Like we have the yes. same exact sense of humor, but then yours is a little bit, you know what I mean? You it's approach per- things differently than I do. It's so perfect. It works I, out. I feel like, um, you have to have, like, I feel like I'm the straight man. You know what I mean? Definitely. Like you have to have like that yeah. balance and yes. like, otherwise it doesn't work. Right. Like, you can't have like the same. Yes personality. Yes. So I think it's perfect. I think it is too. And another little plus I think is that we're in a good time in our lives where at our age, yes. you know, we have a perspective on things and that we, we wouldn't have for 20. We don't care anymore. No. How about that? Yeah. And I think if we were 20, it's not the same kind of, no. com- the same voice. You know what no, I mean? No, no, no. So I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm incredibly, uh, grateful to sit here with you and I feel like it's a privilege to make this podcast with you and I'm it's it's, it's amazing I can't see I can't wait to see what happens next oh it's gonna be and amazing I wanted to say to you and podfest yes May (laughs) 2022 yes um and I wanted to say to you that thank you for you know Tina goes above and beyond where I'm at home like weeping and Tina's like here's 20 text messages about how <laughs> how we're gonna be the most fucking successful people in the world on podcasting and I'm like oh Tina <laughs> and or it's just oh like here's here's all these things I want to do to make sure this podcast is, is successful like you never stop working and thinking and 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 brainstorming about the things we could do and I really appreciate it because oh. I am not that person Oh you yeah, are, and I'm not. so it's so funny because um I, I I'll say like things to my husband and he's like <laughs> When are you going to open that bank account? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> God damn I'm it. like, don't tell me what to do with my podcast. <laughs> yeah. And then she quietly texts me. We really need to open yes. that bank account. <laughs> oh my God. It's I know. So I love funny. it. But, but anyway, he, he's very supportive. Good. And want, and you need that. But he's just like, you know, he's like, what, what yeah. do you go? What's next? What's this? And yeah. I'm like, I, I don't know. We're doing it. He's like, you better get that name. I'm like, he will, don't worry. He's never listened to the podcast. No. He and will he not never listen will. to He never yeah. will. That's okay. As long as there's a support there, like that's, oh, that's a yeah. difficult thing when there's yes. no support there and like, yeah. they don't care. It fucking sucks. Yeah. He doesn't care what I believe what me. I know. Does not care what I do with that. God help me. Okay. Are we just, yeah, let's, let's get into it. it. Let's do let's it. Get into All right. It. Today. Yes. I'm going to tell you the story of the night of terror. Now, I'd like to act surprised, but I'm not going <gasps> to act surprised because I sent this story to our executive producer. No, you did not. <laughs> How fucking weird. That on episode 100. <laughs> episode Wait, one. are you doing the same one? No. Because oh. all he sent me back were like these alarms going off. Like, a, like the emoji with like the red light fl- flashing the siren. I sent him, I go, this is the no. seventh night of terror. He's like blinking red lights. And I was like, oh, okay. Tina's doing that story. Tina, episode 100, we finally hit the nail on the head. Oh my God. How I, fucking so, weird is that? So I'm only doing this because, um, I know Kate. Oh, I was going to tell you something else. I saw it somewhere and I oh, was like, Kate sent it to me and was okay. like, oh, check this out. And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to do was this. Was it on. working class history? Cause I it saw may it. Have been I saw it on I the podcast remember. and I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And I think that you liked the same Instagram story of them or the same oh, post. Oh, maybe cause she sent it to me. And I was like, and when I sent it to him, he sent me those things back and I was like, how fucking weird. And it's episode 100. <laughs> we finally like hit the same thing. Oh my. And I wouldn't, but, I would not have done it. Yeah. I just happened to get that the yeah. message and I was That's like so oh weird. let me check this How out weird. and also because I wanted it's a huge it's a you know women and I wanted to do a story like this story about women oh and my so God. my story is is the same kind of like you know I thought 100 we got to come in hard right wow and so I thought all right then I'm gonna do the story that I've been sitting on that I've wanted to do for a long time but then when he said that I was like this is that which isn't this is the oh. story I'm actually doing. Oh, is okay, one. good, thank God. Yeah, when he said when he said there was thing, and I'm like, well, I'm going to, I'm going into my he my archives. Yeah, he didn't say anything to me. <laughs> good, and good, I, good. I just saw him. Oh, oh like, my God, I know. I hope I do this story justice. I you will. So I'm doing this is Tina style. So we're not deep diving, right? Yes. You know what I say? If you want a deep dive, go open the history book and read. Yeah. So I'm gonna like I'm kind of giving it overview. In 1917, women were still fighting for the right to vote. 
But when a peaceful protest at the White House ends in arrest, the women face a different kind of struggle. Yeah. Ooh. Let's go. So our story takes place in Washington, D.C., and we begin at the White House, and we sort of end at the Okakwin Workhouse. Mm. And I want to give a little background to the suffrage movement. And again, this is a Tina version of history. Yes. It is an overview. I know you'll hit the good point. Okay. There's, good, there's, there's certain things that should be said, but yes. I know you'll hit them probably. So I'm hoping that I do. And if I don't, just jump in. Well, All I right, just poured so, myself some vodka, so. Yes, and I've had, I've had my Irish cream. Yeah, Tina looks at me, she goes, I've been putting Irish cream in my coffee. I go, oh, I didn't know we, we were invited to drink, but uh, yeah, let's, oh, by the hey, way, cheers. Cheers, on 100, bitch. Yes. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Okay. <laughs> so women's suffrage was uh, about securing the right to vote for women. The movement started in the mid-19th century, and decades later in 1920, the 19th Amendment was ratified, and women earned the right now, to vote. White women. White women, okay, yes. Let's so just... I want to take a moment here yes. to acknowledge that this was not for all women. I knew, I knew you'd do it. Only white women. I knew you'd get there, so yes. black women and the work of black activists were left out. Yeah. So in fact, many of the suffrage leaders like Susan B. Anthony yes. fought against the 15th Amendment. And the 15th Amendment was an amendment that granted black men the right to vote. Mm-hmm. And because they were, they were pushing for universal suffrage, which I get, but, but to stop another group from voting is a garbage move. Yeah. And Olivia Waxman writing for Time Magazine explained in her article that Susan B. Anthony was actually fighting to make sure that white women got the right to vote before black men. Right. And so what, so what happened with the 15th amendment, which we know like, okay, 15th amendment passed, right? However, right. All of Reconstruction, all of the Jim Crow laws, all like, of the poll tax, all of that stuff prevented that's right. black men from, from actually voting. voting. Like we just, so, I mean, we, yes. I don't know, I'm trying to think of when the Desmond Mead interview is coming up. We just did a little muck with Desmond Mead yes. and he said they took their own lives registering to vote and yes. they were trying, they put, took their lives in their hands to go vote yes. during Reconstruction. So let's not act like black men were voting. Yes. And, you're, and what you mentioned is true. There were black women fighting alongside yep. Susan B. Anthony as activists and, and when Congress came to them and said- all right, we'll give women the right to vote, but only, but, but here's the caveat. It's only white women. And yeah. Susan B. Anthony goes, all right. Yeah. Sure. I mean, please, sounds good. Original please. Karen. Yeah. All of them. All of them. Mm-hmm. So Teen Vogue's Yvette Dion wrote about this and she cited Anthony as saying, quote, I will cut off this right arm of mine before I will ask for the ballot for the black person. And I'm changing her language and not for the woman. Mm. And Anna Howard Shaw president of the National Women's Suffrage Association said, quote, you have to put the ballot in the hands of your black men, thus making them political superiors of white women. Never before in history of the world have men made former slaves the political masters of their former mistresses. Wow. Disgusting. Holy shit. Is that a quote? It's a quote. Holy cow, Tina. And these are the leaders of the suffrage movement. Yeah, bish, please. Let's start acknowledging this, ladies. Please stop holding up Susan B. Anthony. We need to. You know, when women went to go vote for fucking Hillary Clinton, I'll I'll do respect. Yes. Uh, I'll do respect. They were, there was a a live feed on NPR of women going by the grave of Susan B. Anthony putting their I voted sticker on her thing. And I was thinking, all right, but. However. um, This is crazy. Well, and that's why the Voting Act of 1965 was so important because it yeah. took away, it lifted those barriers, mm-hmm. giving blacks fair access to voting, mm-hmm. right? Which the 15th Amendment again allowed, but it restricted those, those barriers so that, and, and that's why we need the Voting Acts, Act of I Rights. Mean, we need that restored. You, we need I, it I restored. Like what is going on in this country? You don't, what is going on in this I, country? Well, here's the thing, because voting is power. And if you don't understand just like we talked again, I'm gonna, we just talked about voting with Desmond Reed, so it's on my brain. But if you don't understand that the voting booth is the greatest equalizer yes. to every single person, you don't get it. Like you can be a millionaire or the poorest motherfucker on the planet, and you that walk vote in the voting is booth the same, and your vote counts. That and so is the same. that's why they're using everything they can to stop yes. it and take it away. And like he said, Democrats have tried to do it, and Republicans have tried to do it, and it's like they're all trying to take voting away, and that should make you suspicious right. and make you want to vote more, right? Because it's they're they're scared of something, and that's why a two party system is garbage too. Oh, that's fucking true. I mean. 
mean, that's a whole nother episode. Girl. So when that 15th Amendment passed, these women leaders continue to push for voting rights, but they start leaving out women of color, indigenous women, Asian women. They're leaving them all behind. Cunts. So... Yes, they got women the right to vote. Yes, they endured several hardships to do so. And I'm not, you know, yeah, right. trying to take it away. But don't to have, do it at it. the expense of others is dirty. Yeah. And it's gross. And we, and need, we, to need, to, we need to say that. We need to say it. need to say it. And there's nothing wrong with saying it and no. acknowledging, like, this is why a system like this. That's right. Exists. Is messed up. This white is why we need to just, dismantle this. And white women are just as fucking guilty. Yes. And just as racist. Yeah. And just as horrible. I yes. mean, <laughs> They are not just like the innocent, like, I don't know what's going on on the side. They're just as bad and evil. Absolutely. Give me a break. And they uphold these systems that that are not for you. They're not for you. These systems are not built for you. They're not. They're for women. They want to fucking hold us down. What the fuck are you doing? It's it's sister. It's disgusting. But- like you said, it's important and it's important for our kids to know, just like, like, you know, um, I know we're recording a double and this is coming out after Thanksgiving, but it's important to have like those conversations, like Absolutely. with, you know, we can gather and say that we are thankful for things, but we need to acknowledge and we need our children to understand that what for many was. people yeah. Yeah. that this is, is, is a constant reminder of terror yeah. that happened on this land. That's right. And, and, and this pretend kumbaya. Oofa. Like, it's not real. It's not real. No. It's not real. All right. So according to an article on history, women were... I I know. I'm going back to the story. I I know. I got to tell you, it's... There has been nothing more exhausting in the last week and sad to me than being a... Than living in this country. It's so fucking depressing. Yeah. And... My Twitter feed was filled with Rittenhouse bullshit. Yeah. Not bullshit. Fucking horror horror show. Horror. And the other it was Democrats promoting Build Back Better. And I was like, we have missed the fucking mark somewhere. Yeah, there, there's... Infrastructure, infrastructure. Okay, yes, but like, this fucking kid got away with murder. Murder. What the fuck is happening? Yeah. And they don't... Nobody cares. It's like, it's... it's, And it was not surprising. No. Right? I, I can't. I don't want to get into it. I'm sorry, Tina. I know. It's okay. I'm depressed. No. Have yourself uh, a merry little Christmas. <laughs> Thanksgiving's over. We can start the holiday music. <laughs> Do it. All right. So according to an article on history, women were frustrated that things were still at a standstill on the federal level as far as women's suffrage. Yeah. And members of the National Women's Party were protesting at the White House for months that year, trying to push then-President Woodrow Wilson to sign off on giving women the right to vote. So prior to like the major incident in the Night of Terror, another group, the National Association Women's Suffrage, the National Women's Suffrage Association, held a suffrage parade on March third, nineteen seventeen, mm-hmm. and history reported that bystanders started attacking participants, and the police just stood by and did nothing. Right? They let this kind of. <laughs> I feel like, again, I know we're bringing it up, but kind of like that douche Rittenhouse who <laughs> showed up with an AR-15 and the police just let him walk on by yeah. and they let him be there and they did nothing. They did nothing. So same thing. Yeah. And as a result, close to 100 women suffered injuries and had to be hospitalized mm. because they were like attacked, attacked and attacked mm. by men too. Yeah. So the main group that was protesting um, throughout 1917 were dubbed the Silent Sentinels. Because they practiced civil disobedience. So their whole thing was like, it's not about violence, civil yeah, we're disobedience. Gonna, we're going to stand here. And according to the Blackbird, uh, which is a journal out of the Virginia Commonwealth University, they used silence as a form of protest. And according to history, they started gathering outside the White House. They wore purple and gold. And according um, to the website, they held signs with slogans like, quote, Mr. President, how long must we wait for liberty? Mm. And history further notes that Wilson was amused at the women, right? Oh, like, so, oh, look at the so cute. cute. You're look so at the cute funny. little lady with their oh. signs. Now go make and, me a sandwich, bitch. Well, basically, he, he invites them in for coffee, and oh. they decline, which I feel like was the 1917 version of telling him to go, like, yeah. F yourself. I don't need your coffee, Yeah, we don't need your coffee. And, but over time, he starts getting annoyed. Well, of course. Because they're not they're doing what they're told, there, right? Tina. They didn't go away. That's right. And then what was happening at the same time, this is 1917, and... The U.S. enters World War One April of that year, mm. right? So he has, um, you know, the war going on, and he gets more frustrated with the women. So I want to know, World War One started in 1914, but we don't get involved as a country until 1917. Mm-hmm. And 
famously, I feel like this happens all of the time when there's war, that people start talking about patriotism, <laughs> right? And so these women protesting outside of the White House well, is no. not very patriotic. No. We're in the middle of a war. How dare you yeah. kind of go up against the yeah. president? We have more important things to talk about and do. Yeah. So... Similar to the parade, people started attacking women. They would oh, rip damn. the signs out of their hands. Holy and shit, dude. They really just thought that they were unpatriotic, uh, unpatriotic and basically like were pariahs, right? Like yeah. they just thought like, go back home, you know. Um, and then the police start to get more and more involved. And at first, some of the women were arrested, but they would be let go. Um, but then they start facing actual charges and actually facing jail time and they get sent to the Ogakuen workhouse. Mm. And according to an article from the National Park Service, the Ogakuen workhouse was fairly new. It was built in 1910 and it was originally created and built to house people who committed minor offenses. And it was sort of like, let's try this prison reform thing where instead of severely punishing people, instead of using solitary confinement, people who commit minor offenses, let's put them to work and they learn, you know, through the work <laughs> and hard, skill. you know, they yeah. like not even a skill, but like through the hard work and kind of that's going to reform them into being a good person. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> so we won't, we'll just engage them into these social connections. And hmm. that was the idea. So they wanted to do something different than what typical prisons were offering. And yeah. that's where the women got sent. Mm. And when they first, um, like I said, um, got sent there, they, some of them could pay fines mm -hmm. to get out, but a lot of them went sort of as another form of protest. Okay. Like, okay, we're going to go to the, whatever, they go to jail. And they start reporting, according to Blackbird, that the workhouse was dirty. The uniforms rarely washed. The food that was provided to them had worms in it. Oh, fuck. Um, most of the time they were provided one bar of soap that like many women had to share and they also reported that sick women and healthy women were like mixed together in the same cells and mm. they didn't have like a separate place right. for that. So they just said it was like just disgusting. So things start getting more and more intense. Yeah. And a New York Times article reported that the House at the time created a committee on women's suffrage. Like, how do we deal with these ladies? Yeah. And because they were so frustrated with them. And yeah. it talked about how these nagging women. Is this so incredible? <laughs> it's like, so funny. By the way, we'd be there. Oh, yeah, 100%. We'd be, yeah, we'd, we'd be, be in jail. House. Yes, yeah. yes. We, okay. would be, we would be arrested. They're so frustrated with but us. But they're like, look at how these women are distracting the president. Oh, She's yeah. in the middle of a war. Like, we have more, you know, we have these manly things which, to and, think about, which I get. Yeah, and honestly, at the time, <laughs> it's incredible that women actually had the nerve to yeah. fucking say anything. We're just it like, is incredible. Yes. You know, these And didn't women. stop. So the silent sentinels keep getting arrested and they get arrested. So the things that they arrest them on are like obstructing the roads. So even though they're like two by two and mm -hmm. they're not really like taking over the whole road, they still are charging that like, that's what they could charge them right. with. Right. And some of the women would get 60 day sentences. Some got 30 day sentences. Some got 15 day sentences. Mm. And one woman, her name was Mary Nolan and she was 73 years old. And this was reported by um, Miss uh, Magazine. And um, she was asked, they were like, look, you're 73. Like, just pay the fine. We don't want to put you in jail. And she said, quote, your honor, I have a nephew fighting for democracy in France. Mm. He's offering his life for his country. I should be ashamed if I did not join these brave women in their fight for democracy in America. Wow. I should be proud of the honor to die in prison for the liberty of American women. Yes. So she's like, I'm going to jail. Get it. So because of the conditions that I just described of everything being dirty and gross and whatnot, the women decide to hold a hunger strike. And they're like, yeah, you know, we're not going to eat. And I mean, who likes worms? I know. So according to Queen City Nerve, doctors start force feeding the women by shoving tubes down their throats and up their noses and just pouring raw egg to try to get <gasps> like any sort of nourishment into their bodies. And then the Sentinels start protesting that treatment and about 30 suffragists get arrested on November 10th, 1917. And this is what leads into the night of terror. So, and about five days later is when that happens. And according to the Zen education project, these women get brutally assaulted mm -hmm. in prison. And it was reported that the superintendent of the prison ordered some 40 guards to start the attack and it was basically like we need to teach them a lesson and so 
They are physically assaulted. They're thrown into dirty cells. And according to Arlington Public Library, one woman was thrown so violently that her head hit an iron bedpost and she was knocked unconscious. Another woman who witnessed this happening had a heart attack from like watching this and like being freaked out. And she was left untreated. Another was chained for hours with her arms over her head. And according to the Smithsonian Magazine, um, Eunice Dana Brannon had this to say about witnessing an attack of a woman saying, quote, she was thrown back and forth over the back of a bench, one man throttling her while the other two were at her shoulders. So they're Jesus. just like beating the hell out of these women. Oh my God. And they wanted to beat them into submission, right? And the irony <sighs> is that President Wilson entered the war to quote, make the world safe for democracy. Mm. Yet on his own soil, these women are attacked for fighting for their democracy for, for some. It's, it's just, that's quite a statement. It's ridiculous. So an article from the source out of... Um, and also, you can't beat an idea out of someone. I know. You can't beat hope out of someone. I know. Beat me all you want. I'm still oh, going to fucking mean, have this idea. Unless, I mean, when you read 1984 and at the end, you know, all he wants is, you know, freedom from Big Brother. And at the end, he's, you know, so beaten down mm. that he smiles in love with Big Brother. Jesus. Ooh, it's so frightening. Please don't let us be in 1984. Okay, so um, this article from the source out of Washington University at St. Louis notes that once the press heard of the treatment of the women, suffrage movement starts garnering more sympathy from people and attention to actually have the amendment ratified because they're like, what the hell happened like at D.C.? Like, what's going on? And so people start, you know, once the press gets a hold of something, you know how that goes. Yeah. So Smithsonian Magazine also reported that a lawyer for the suffragists got a court order for a wellness check and a judge agreed that they had endured cruel and unusual punishment mm. and was like, all right, this, ha- you know, this ends here sort of thing. And there were really no charges that kind of came out of this. But in 1918, the charges that were put against the women that had originally sent them to jail, um, it was over 200 women over the course of like the year and a half that they were kind of marching out in front of the white house. Um, all of them had been voided. They voided all those charges oh, and wow. they, they kind of take it okay. away from the women. And then, like I said, at the top, the women finally earn the right to vote in 1920. And I just had a couple points of interest. One of them was that according to Smithsonian magazine, the prison um, was going to get torn down because it was deteriorating, but people fought to keep it because of the historical significance of what mm. happened there. So items from the space were salvaged to be placed in a museum as a remembrance to women's suffrage. And in 2020, the museum opened at the Workhouse Art Center, which is at the space where the workhouse actually used wow, to be. that's so kind of cool. They have that there. Um, one thing that was sort of gross um, that I read in another article that goes back to like the racism that these these women... Again, like they did fight for this right to vote, but they were still steeped in racism and they were upset because they had to share a food table with women of color and they thought that was beneath (laughs) them because they were white middle-class women. So it's just disgusting. Fucking vomit. Um, the Queen City Nerve reported that prior to women marching on Washington and participating in silent protests, the women mainly acted what they called more prim and proper and they had never really done this before. And I thought this thing was like kind of, really interesting is that no one had picketed outside of the white house. Like they kind of started that. Um, so I thought that was cool that it was like this movement, like this was the first time that people, because people go, they protest at DC all of the time. And this was like the first time that that had ever really happened where people held signs and were commenting and sort of paved the way. Mm. So they had all sorts of banners and the LA times shared some of them. One was Kaiser Wilson, have you forgotten your sympathy with the poor Germans because they were not self-governed? Oof. 20 million American women are not self-governed. Take the beam out of your own eye. Woo! Get Look it. Look at them. This is something you would, you would fucking totally make that. I'd be like, Tina, it's too long. And you're like, uh, no. I don't care. Put the whole I'm thing writing on. it down. Yeah, take the beam out of your yes. eye. Yes. So that's the story of oh, the night of terror. It. So I, I know it. that I've probably have left some things out and I but I just wanted to kind of give the gist of like what happened and I oh, all I so really good. wanted to acknowledge though that it's important that we yeah. recognize all of the women and the important women Ooh. and the black women who do all the work all the time that still yep. do still, all the work still. all the time and go on un, uh, get unrecognized uncredited come on let's be better all right that's my story let's be better Ooh. you're so it's so Tina <laughs> okay Hey, Stevie, you want to hop in the back of my van here? I got some candy for you. 
I don't know. My parents always told me to stay away from strange Jorge's. That's oddly specific. Uh, well, you know, I got a, I got a bag of dogs and iguanas in the back here if you want to play with them for a while. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little heptophobic. Hey, what the fuck? You, uh, you know, I've got, uh, I've got the Odd Pods Media Network on Spreaker now. <gasps> Ooh, so that includes, like, the 500 Section Lounge, Pod Askew, Married with Television, From the Middle, Super Media Brothers, The Infectious Groove Podcast, and BFYTW? <laughs> Works every time. Today, now mine's long. That's okay. All it's right. Hundo, baby. We're Hundo. <laughs> Keep writing down titles. And I wrote down one Hundo, and then I wrote down, now I'm writing down Hundo. <laughs> Today, I'm going to tell you about forced sterilization by the United States government. Oh, God. Tina, hold on, bitch. Oh, God. I know. So it's also eugenics, right? It started oh, with eugenics. Oh, God. <laughs> I told you I wanted to do a story. The story. Oh, my I God. Mean, well, maybe I didn't tell you, but it's Wait, been on my list. More, do I have more? Okay. You need more alcohol? I think so. All right, go get it. No, it's okay. Are you it. sure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let me swirl it around. <laughs> oh, God. This is really effed. I'm just saying. Okay. So eugenics is a set of beliefs and practices which aims at improving the genetic quality of the human population and played a significant role in the history and culture of the United States from the late 19th century into the mid-20th century. While seemingly about improving genetic quality, it is clear that eugenics was more about preserving the position of the dominant groups in the population, a.k.a. white people. Yep. Scholarly research has determined that people who found themselves targets of the eugenics movement were those who were seen as unfit for society, uh, the poor, the disabled, the mentally ill, and specific communities of color, and a disproportionate number of those who fell victim to eugenic sterilization initiatives were women who were identified as black, Hispanic, or Native American. Okay? <sighs> so we're targeting specific groups of, of people. As a result, the United States eugenics movement is now generally associated with racist and nativist elements as the movement was to some extent a reaction to demographic and population changes, as well as concerns over the economy and social well-being rather than scientific genetics, right? So that it was, it was they're pretending that it's science. As, oh, this is yes. science and this is how we're going to make a better people, this yes. make a better population. Please. But the fact of the matter is immigration was ramping up in the United States and people are like, there's too many uh, people of color coming I mean, in. <laughs> what the fuck are we going to do? It's so stupid. Yeah. How about let's just all work together? How about no. we just celebrate our differences? No, how about we just, no. you know, be human no. beings no. and have empathy? Because, you know, you your family came here from somewhere too. Well, that's true. So the American eugenics movement was rooted in the biological determinist ideas of Sir Francis Galton, which originated in the 1880s. In 1883, Sir Francis Galton first used the word eugenics to describe scientifically the biological improvement of genes in human races and the concept of being, quote, well-born, end quote. Oh, God. He believed that differences in a person's ability were acquired primarily through genetics and that eugenics could be implemented through selective breeding in order for the human race to improve its overall quality, therefore allowing for humans to direct their own evolution. Oh, this sounds I so I mean, doesn't he sound scary. fun? Can you imagine? But people do this now. People choose what gender they want for their babies. They can, you know, there's all yeah, of these things that even, people can do now. And it's so But his idea of like me. what is quality is based on the people he's looking at, yes. right? And so it's, yes. it's, he's obviously a racist, but like also you think less than of people of color. So those right. are obviously from your just determining like that's going to be the genetic way we're going to go here. You yeah. know what I mean? Ugh. It's fucked up. And the U.S. eugenics was largely supported after the discovery of Mendel's law led to a widespread interest in the idea of breeding for specific traits. So Galton studied the upper classes of Britain Oh, and arrived at the conclusion that their social positions could be attributed to the superior genetic makeup. Oh, please. Yeah, that's where we're going. So please. Amer Have you, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be mean. I was um, going to talk about their teeth. British teeth. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> I mean, maybe they're high class, but they open that mouth. Yes, and like, come on. So we love you all in England. We do. We do. We do. Sorry. We have listeners there. Tina, what the fuck? No, sorry. What about our new friends from the UK? <gasps> Hi. Uh, they're not listening. I know. They don't like my curse words. I know. So American eugenists tended to believe in the genetic superiority of Nordic, Germanic, and Anglo-Saxon white people 
supported, uh, and they supported strict immigration and anti-messenogenic Mesogenian laws, which means I had to look it up. Mixed race, right? So a black yeah. person and a white person. They're like, oh, no, 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 please. And they supported the forcible sterilization of the poor, disabled, and quote immoral. Wow. Um, oh, they, and I, I'm, I'm sure that they have a lot of rules on what determines someone's morality. Of course. Well, that's what I mean. Like, someone, yeah. there's another Ugh. person who's going to determine if you're moral yeah. or not. Could you yeah, imagine? Okay. Well, God. Meanwhile, these are the people in the back rooms doing sh- crazy shady yes, shit, right? Ew. The American eugenics movement received extensive funding from various corporate foundations, including the Carnegie Institute, Rockefeller Foundation, and the Harriman Railroad, Railroad of Fortune. Of course, because they're all rich white people that don't yeah. want to lose their money. Yeah, and then could you imagine they come to your mansion and they're like, can you, b- what about a race of intelligent people? Yeah, I mean, because like, look at you, race. look at how much money you have, and, and can we all go and look at how they're all corrupt? I know. Um, in 1906, J.H. Kellogg provided funding to oh, help found God. the Race Betterment Foundation. Well, that's it. No more Special K for me. <laughs> Battle <laughs> I meant the Michigan. cereal, not the drug, guys. Okay, come on. <laughs> uh, the Eugenics Record Office, also known as ERO, was founded in Cold Spring Harbor, New York in 1911 by the renowned biologist Charles B. Davenport, using money from both the Harriman Railroad Fortune and the Carnegie Institute. As late as the 1920s, the ERO was one of the leading organizations in, America, in the American eugenics movement. In years to come, the ERO collected a mass of family pedigrees and provided training for eugenics field workers who were sent to analyze individuals at various institutions, such as mental hospitals and orphanage institutions across the United States. Ugh. So they're making it look like it's work. Yeah. Right? Like it's scientific work, which is masked as this racist. Yes. Right. So eugenists such as Davenport, also the psychologist Harry H. Goddard, Goddard um, Harry H. Laughlin, and the conserva- conservationist Madison Grant, all of whom were very well respected at the time, began to lobby for various solutions to the problems of the unfit, right? Wow. So Davenport favored immigration restriction and sterilization as primary methods. Goddard favored, favored segregation. And Grant favored all of the above and more, even entertaining the idea of extermination. So killing people who are like mentally. Wow. By 1910, there was a large number of dynamic network of scientists, reformers, and professionals engaged in national eugenics projects and actively promoting eugenic legislation. Wow. The American Breeders Association. Oh, God. The first eugenic body in the, in the U.S. expanded in 1906 to include specific eugenics committee under the direction of Charles B. Davenport. The ABA was formed specifically to, quote, investigate and report on heredity in the human race and emphasize the value of superior blood and the menace to society of inferior blood, end quote. Wow. Membership included... Alexander Graham Bell, Stanford President David Starr Jordan, and Luther Burbank, an American botanist. Wow. So it's high, it's high profile people. It's people, again, it's all these people at the top. Yeah. And I know I always reference literature, but um, in Gatsby, Tom Buchanan, you know, Daisy's husband, that dirtbag, he references uh, a book on eugenics and he like his whole deal is like he thinks he thinks that he's superior because of he thinks that somehow his race is it's connected to class Mm. you know and that I mean and he's such a disgusting character yeah and 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 you know he alludes to that so it kind of ties like all of those people and that like money and, yes. and access and he's like the oh embodiment God. of it. Ugh. He's so gross. So they promoted government intervention in attempts to promote the health of future citizens. Several feminist reformers advocated for an agenda of eugenic legal oh, reform. Great. Here we are with the white women like you just I covered. Know. Like same women, same people, by the way, the national federation of women's clubs, the women's Christian temperance union and the the national league of women voters were among the variety of state and local feminist organizations that at some point lobbied for eugenic reforms. Nice. One of the most prominent feminists to champion the eugenic agenda was Margaret Sanger, the leader of the American birth control movement and founder of planned fucking parenthood. Wow. And by the way, they had to recently, what? like I'm going to tell you within the last five or six years had to apologize. Good. Because of this bitch. Oh my God. She was for like, no, 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 no. Like this was, she was it's bad, so bad, bad, messed bad. Up how, and, and this is what people talk about when they talk about white feminism yeah. and they talk about like the agenda that they, these women have yeah. that are not inclusive and are actually it's so incredibly detrimental. Absolutely. To other women. Yeah. 
So Sanger saw Ugh. birth control as a means to prevent unwanted children from being born into a disadvantaged life and incorporated oh, the language no. of incorporated the language of eugenics to advance the movement. Sanger also sought to discourage the reproduction of persons who it was believed would pass on mental illness or serious <gasps> physical defects. In these cases, she approved of the use of sterilization. Oh Jesus. In the deep south, women's associations played an important role in rallying support for eugenic legal reform. Eugenicists recognized the political and social influence of Southern club women in their communities and used them to help implement, implement eugenics across the region. Again, these are white women who probably don't feel like they're important. Right, they like stay home or whatever right. their fucking value like, this is. This is how this is how they have like, power. Oh, this is how they gonna, have power. Yeah. Yeah. All these scientists said that we would be very helpful Ugh. if we just spread this movement. Bitch, get a fucking job yeah. and contribute something to society. Oh my god! Not that being a mother isn't contributing, but you no, know what the fuck I I'm know, saying. I know. Do something with yourself. Do something, bitch. Um, Ugh, so gross. So between now, meanwhile, there these are scientists that are recognizing the power of these club, these women in these clubs. Right? Could they not recognize their own power and how they could use it for good? Like, could you imagine if they had actually stopped for a second and they're like, "Wow, people really need us to help them. Maybe because we could they, use this power still for something depend, else." They're still dependent on men. So fucked up. Um, between 1915 and 1920, federated women's clubs in every state of the Deep South had a critical role in establishing public eugenic institutions that were <gasps> segregated by sex. So, for example, the Legislative Committee of the Florida State Federation of oh, Women's Clubs, of yo, 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 Florida in the house, bitch, <laughs> lobbied to institute a eugenic institution for the mentally retarded. <gasps> Sorry, that's a quote. I don't want to say retarded. Da, da, da. That was segregated by sex. So their aim was to separate mentally retarded men and women in order to prevent them from breeding more quote feeble-minded individuals oh, come on yeah oh my god i mean public acceptance in the u.s led to various state legislatures working to establish eugenic initiatives beginning with connecticut in 1896 many states enacted marriage laws with eugenic criteria prohibiting anyone who was quote epileptic <gasps> imbecile or feeble-minded unquote, from marrying. The first state to introduce a compulsory sterilization bill was Michigan in 1897. And although the pr proposed law failed to garner enough votes by legislators to be adopted, it did set the stage for other sterilization bills, which is why wow. this Rittenhouse thing is so important. The wow. Kyle Rittenhouse verdict is important right. because what they have done is set up a defense now for vigilantes yeah, now to case use law. that defense now moving yes. forward. So this is why all of these state laws, because they copy and paste. Florida has now yeah. copied and pasted the Texas abortion right. law. It's not a good thing. So... Eight, wow. eight years later, Pennsylvania state legislators Great. passed a sterilization bill that was vetoed by the governor. Okay, so that one's out, right? But Indiana became the first state to enact sterilization legislation in 1907, followed by Washington, California, and Connecticut in 1909. Wow. Sterilization rates across the country were relatively low. And how do they determine what, what is feeble-minded? Right? This, this is the problem. This is the problem. Oh my God. Right? Um, so sterilization rates across the country are relatively low until the 1927 Supreme Court case Buck v. Bell, which legitimized the forced sterilization <gasps> of patients at a Virginia home no. for those who were seen as mentally challenged. No. Okay, so here's a little bit about that, about what happened then. So in 1907, no. Indiana passed the first eugenics-based compulsory sterilization law in the world, and 30 U.S. states would soon follow their lead. Although the law was overturned by the Indiana Supreme Court in 1921, in the 1927 case of Buck v. Bell, the United States Supreme Court held, upheld the constitutionality of the Virginia Sterilization Act of 1924, allowing for the compulsory sterilization of patients of state mental institutions. What? So they're just like, you now, don't have but, a choice. But let's be clear of what, you know what sterilization yeah. is. Oh, Jesus. So they Christ. go inside of a woman and they yes. do surgery. They yes. take out her fucking uterus. Yes. Like, that's it. That's it, people. They're not doing it to men. No. They're doing it to not. women. But because, but God forbid, God forbid I mean, you tied those tubes on a man. So the number of sterilizations perform, performed per year increased until another Supreme Court case, Skinner v. Oklahoma in 1942, which ruled that under the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause, um, laws that permitted the compulsory sterilization of criminals were unconstitutional if these laws treated s similar crimes differently. So they're, they're, wow. they're, you know, they're in there, but you know, they're trying to find something to stop this stuff. Right. So all those, where are the family members of these oh. women? I mean, fucking outraged, Tina outraged. 
So although Skinner determined that the right to procreate was a fundamental right under the Constitution, because we're talking it's about your body. sex. It's your, if yes. it's, it's your own body. This is the government up in my business. Well, well, well listen, they're still there. Hello. They're still so there. So the case did not denounce sterilization laws as the analysis was based on the equal protection of criminal defendants specifically, therefore leaving those as seen as social, quote, undesirables, the oh. poor, the disabled, the various ethnic groups as targets of compulsory sterilization. Jesus. Therefore... Though compulsory sterilization is now considered an abuse of human rights, Buck v. Bell has not ever been overturned. (gasps) And Virginia specifically did not repeal its sterilization laws until 1974. (gasps) Tina. Jesus. And think about families that had like a a kid who maybe was autistic or, you know, we didn't know what autism was at the time or whatever. They put them in a mental institution and put them away. Oh my God. And now they're in there being sterilized oh my god and then how many i'm i can't even imagine complications from these surgeries oh my god. And, yes and and the lifelong damage or death or who oh knows my what. god it's a fucking nightmare wow. it's a nightmare wow all because of these racist scientists oh my god all right so men were sterilized to treat their aggression so you know so, they did do this to some of these men right and they were just sterilized for different reasons. So men for their aggression and to eliminate their criminal behavior. This is their, yeah, that they're well, thinking. That, so well, like women. This, this, like the, this castration. Right. But which they find doesn't work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> While women were sterilized to control the results of their sexuality. Oh, God forbid women want to take charge of their own sexuality. I mean, why are we not allowed oh that? God. Why is that so scary? It's just. Why is a woman enjoying sex so fucking scary to people it still is it still is it still is people have so much judgment so insane so much judgment about women oh tina fuck so since women were bored since women bore children eugenicists held women more accountable than men for the reproduction of the less desirable members of society eugenicists therefore predominantly targeted women in their efforts to regulate the birth rate to protect white racial health and weed out the defectives of society the most significant era of eugen- eugenic sterilization was between 1907 and 1963, <gasps> when over 64,000 individuals no. were forcibly sterilized under the eugenic oh legislation god. in the United States. Oh my god! And I got to say something else. Sidebar: When you look this up, th- like this is done all over the world. Okay. Yeah. But like, it's incredible how many countries forcibly sterilize women. It's fucked. It's, it's so fucking insane to me. So beginning around 1930, there was a steady increase in the percentage of women sterilized. And in a few states, only young women were sterilized. Oh, God. A 1937 Fortune magazine poll found that two thirds of respondents supported eugenic sterilization of, quote, mental defectives. 63% supported sterilization of criminals. Oh. And only 15% opposed both. (laughs) So they're getting, this isn't like they're they're going to get away with it. No one's holding them accountable. They're like, yeah, sounds good to me. Motherfuckers. From 1930 to the 1960s, sterilization was performed on many more institutionalized women than men. By 1961, 61% of the 62,162 total eugenic sterilizations in the United States were performed on women. So it's a majority more women, of course. course. They're focusing on women. A favorable favorable report on the results of sterilization in California, the state that conducted the most sterilizations, 20,000 out of the 60. Holy crap. Was published in a book form in book form by the biologist Paul Propano, uh, and was widely cited by the Nazi government as oh. evidence that wide-reaching sterilization programs were Great. feasible and humane. Yay! This is the second fucking story wow. that I have done. That's where a connection the, to the, that's to, Nazis. That the Nazis where the Nazis have taken looked, a page yes, out of our book. Where yeah. they looked at the United States and they're like, "Oh, great. eugenics sounds great." Yeah. The other one was where they were spraying uh, when we were spraying Mexican workers who were coming yes. into Texas. We're spraying them with poison, yes, in and the that's face how they got the idea of for, the, uh, uh, to, the chambers. Yeah, to to gas people yeah. in in Nazi Germany. Way to go, America! Yeah, the second fucking story Way I've done like to this. Go. That's incredible. Way to go. Oh, but we're better than that? Oh, oh, right. oh, okay. Right. So after World War II. We need to ch- take, I mean, this country needs to ch- check burn its it. ego at burn the freaking door. Down, burn it down. You know, yes. check our ego. We think we are so good. We think they're the best country and we're not. No. And maybe when we start looking at our faults, we can maybe get ahead. Yes. Otherwise, otherwise. We're in trouble. It's, it's, and we're, so, we're in such trouble already. So after World War II, eugenics and eugenic organizations began to revise uh, 
their standards of reproductive fitness to reflect contemporary social concerns of the Mm. later half of the 20th century. Notable concerns over welfare, Mexican immigration, overpopulation, civil rights, and the sexual revolution. And gave way to what has been termed as neo-eugenics. Wow. So neo-eugenicists like Clarence Gamble, an affluent researcher at Harvard Medical School and a founder of public birth control clinics, revived the eugenics movement in the United States through sterilization. Supporters of the revival of eugenic sterilizations believed that they would bring an end to social issues such as poverty and mental oh. illness while also saving the taxpayer money. At- attached to class. Yeah, okay. we're going we're to save the taxpayer money and we're going to boost the economy because yeah. we don't have to pay for these rejects over here, yeah. right? Right? Wow. As a result of these new sterilization initiatives through, though most scholars agree that they were over 64,000 known cases of the eugenic sterilizations in the U.S. by 1963, no one knows for certain how many compulsory sterilizations occurred between the 1960s and the 70s, <gasps> though it is estimated that at least 80,000 have been conducted. <gasps> wow. And a large number of those, again, I'm going to say it, uh, those who were targets of coerced sterilizations in the wow. later half of the century were African-American, Hispanic, and Native American women. Wow. Let's be clear of who oh we're targeting. God. So a little bit about you, oh about immigration, God. right? Because, you know, because these guys all know everybody in Congress, they're going to go to Congress and they're going to yeah. testify about how terrible pe- immigration is, right? In the late 19th century, many scientists who were concerned about the population leaning too far away from the favored Anglo-Saxon superiority due to a rise in immigration from Europe, partnered with other interest groups to implement immigration laws that could be justified on the basis of genetics. After the 1890 U.S. Census, people began to believe that immigrants who were of Nordic or Anglo-Saxon stock were greatly favored over Southern and Eastern Europeans, specifically Jews, who were seen by some eugenists like Harry Laughlin to be genetically inferior. It's, it's, it's incredible to me. During the 20th cent- early it's 20th disgusting. century, as the United States and Canada began to receive higher number of immigrants, influential eugenicists like Lothrop, Stoddard, and Laughlin were appointed as expert witnesses for the House Committee on Immigration and Naturalization in, in 1920. Yes, and he wrote a book. Yes. They That's presented, the book, I think, referenced in, in Gatsby. They, they pre- oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They both presented arguments that, the, that these immigrants would pollute the national gene pool oh. if their numbers were unrestricted. Wow. <laughs> With the passage just, of the immigrants. I also think it's, a, I think it's a thing for white men, like... What if my, what if a girl I like, or what if one of these white women fall for an Italian, right? Like, what if that yeah. happens? God forbid, that, right? that, that God white forbid. woman should be for me, right? They're, yeah, they're, 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 break. White women need to stay with me. I think There's, that's a whole thing too. It's like they're, it's against their, their, uh, you know what I mean? Their egos in that yeah. way, their pride in that way yeah. or something. Give me a break. Um, with the passage of the Immigration Act of 1924, eugenicists for the first time played an important role in the congressional debate as expert advisors on the threat of, quote, inferior stock from Eastern and Southern Europe. The new act inspired the eugenic belief in the racial superiority of old stock white Americans as members of the Nordic race, a form of white supremacy, strengthened the position of existing laws prohibiting race mixing. Mm. So this is really, this gets really fucked up. So, uh, I mean, not that it's already not fucked up, yeah, but this is just so eugenics during the civil rights era, um, in the 1950s and sixties were the height of the sterilization abuse that oh black women as a group experienced at the oh hands of the white medical establishment. Oh my God. This is, this is now hold on because I got to tell you, I'm, I, it, it fucking makes, it breaks me up. I can't, it's too much. During this period, the sterilization of African-American women largely took place in the South and assumed two forms, the sterilization of poor, unwed black mothers oh my God. and what they called, quote, Mississippi appendectomies, <gasps> Okay. So under these, quote, Mississippi appendectomies, women who went to the hospital to give birth or for some other medical treatment, right, right? black women, they often found themselves incapable of having more children <gasps> upon no, leaving. No, no, they didn't know. That's right. Oh my God. Upon leaving the hospital due to unnecessary hysterectomies. Oh my God. Performed on them by Southern medical <gasps> students. Oh my God. Oh my God. So, so they're going in, I'm going to get my appendix removed. I'm going to go have a yeah. baby. I'm going to go have yep. a gallbladder surgery, whatever. And now I have a hysterectomy has been performed and, and they, they don't no even, idea. they have no idea. They have no idea. Why can't I get pregnant? What's happening? Oh my God. Tina. Oh my God, where, please tell me that there have been some justice, that there's been some payment, there's been uh, something for these I women. I think I get to that, but I mean, otherwise, oh like, my God. I mean, by the 1970s, the coerced sterilization of women of color spread from the South to the rest of the country. Oh my God. Through federal family, 
Through federal <gasps> family planning and oh. under the guise of voluntary contraceptive surgery as <gasps> physicians began to require their patient, patients to sign consent forms to surgeries they did not want or understand. What? I hate, I hate everything. So a little bit more about the and and, and, and and do we not understand why people are angry? Hold on, let me have this some This is vodka. a lifetime, decades. It's, it's, it's like thing after thing after thing after thing after thing. Not to and, mention and, the and, rates the rates of black women being able to give a birth to a baby and surviving on. today are low. <laughs> They're fucking low. Being able to go to a hospital and give birth to a baby like, as a black woman can today we not, is can, not and good. We can't, can't we acknowledge this and do something to change this bullshit in this country? I mean, I'll go fucking burn down Congress right now, bitch. Let's give me go. a fucking uh, lighter. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. Insurrection. Watch this. Oh. I mean, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, so this is, it doesn't get better, all right? So, though it's unknown the exact number of black women who were sterilized throughout the country in the 20th century, records from a few states offer some estimates. In the state of North Carolina, which has seen, which was seen as having the most aggressive eugenics program out of the 32 states that had one, during the 45 year reign of the North Carolina Eugenics Board from 1929 to 1974, a disproportionate number of those who were targeted for for forced or coerced sterilization were black and female with with almost all being poor. Of the 7,600 women who were sterilized by the state between the years of 1933 and 1973, about 5,000 were black. In light of this history, North Carolina has become the first state to offer compensation to surviving victims of compulsory sterilization. Additionally, black women made up just over 100, I'm sorry, 1% of California's population. They accounted for at least 4% of the total number of sterilization operations conducted by the state between 1909 and 1979. Overall, according to one 1989 study, 31.6% of black women without a high school diploma were sterilized while only 14.5% of white women of the same educational status were sterilized, right? So we got a huge gap there. Almost double. So in 1972, United States Senate Committee testimony brought light to that at least 2,000 involuntary sterilizations had been performed on poor black women without their consent or knowledge. An investigation revealed that the surgeries were all performed in the South and were all performed on black women with multiple children who were receiving welfare. Oh, this is disgusting. Testimony revealed that many of these women were threatened with an end to their welfare benefits unless they consented (gasps) to sterilization. These surgeries were instances of sterilization abuse, a term applied to any sterilization performed without the consent or knowledge of the recipient or in which the recipient is pressured into accepting the surgery. Because the funds used to carry out the surgeries came from the U.S. Office of Economic Opportunity, the sterilization abuse raised suspicions, especially among members of the black community, that, quote, Federal programs were underwriting eugenicists who wanted to wow. impose their views about population, quality on, mi- on minorities, and poor women, end quote, which is absolutely fucking right. The U.S. government funded this fucking shit. And here we are. Why is there a lack of trust? These motherfuckers. Why oh, yeah. is there a lack There's of trust? There's a large popu- black population who doesn't want to get the fucking vaccine. Right. Hello? I mean, I can't I, blame I anybody here. Yeah. I mean, between that, between the syphilis, between, you know, there's all of this yeah. stuff. How are... Tuskegee? Yeah. How are we supposed to build back trust? Build back better? Right. <laughs> build Tina. back trust um, with these communities. I know. So despite this investigation, it was not until 1973... That the issue of sterilization abuse was brought to media attention. Okay, Tina, you got to hold on to your fucking hats because this is fucked. This is beyond fucked. On June 14th, 1973, two black girls, Minnie Lee and Mary Alice Ralph, ages 14 and 12, respectively, were sterilized without their knowledge (gasps) in Alabama by the Montgomery Community Action Committee and and OEO Finance Organization. So- the summer of that year, the Ralph girls sued the government agencies and individuals responsible for their sterilization. They were 14 and fucking how did 12. They, how did they even get under so, the knife? as the case was being pursued, it was discovered that the girl's mother, who could not read, oh, no. unwittingly approved the operation, signing an X on the release forms. Oh, come on. Mrs. Mrs. Ralph, their mom, had believed that she was signing a form authorizing her daughters to receive a, to receive a Depo-Provera injection, a form of birth control. Wow. And instead of that, they made sure that these two girls who are my daughter's age. Oh my God. They could never have children children for the rest of their fucking lives. Wow. Took it away from them. Wow. These are babies. 
In light of the 1974 case of Wealth, Wealth versus Weinberger, named oh after Minnie God. Lee and Mary Alice's older sister, Katie, who had narrowly, narrowly escaped also being sterilized, the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare were ordered to establish new guidelines for its government oh, sterilization policy. You think? But then by 1979, the new guidelines finally addressed the concern over informed consent, determined that minors under the age of 21 and those who were severely mentally impairments who could not give consent would not be sterilized and articulated the provision that doctors could no longer claim that a woman's refusal to be sterilized would result in her being denied welfare benefits. Wow. By the way, I, when liars I, when I, when and liars I, and liars. When I originally wanted to do the story, like I probably had this sitting in my back pocket for a long time. There was another case, and I wish I had written her name down on here, but it was another case. It wasn't these two girls. There's, this has happened. This happened to so many women. So many women who had had a child and the, the dad wasn't around and then they go in next thing. No, they can't. It's, it's so fucking insane to me. But 12 and 14, Tina? I know. Because I, they're I, black? It's disgusting. And they can't be responsible? It's disgusting. Is that what you're assuming it's, about people? Uh, yes, they're making a lot of assumptions. So here's the end. I mean, the end is this. I mean, I would love to tell you that this doesn't happen anymore. But in 2020... Multiple human rights groups joined a whistleblower to accuse a private-owned U.S. immigration detention center in Georgia <gasps> of forcibly no. sterilizing women. No. Yes, honey. Yes. <gasps> the reports claimed a doctor conducted unauthorized medical procedures on women detained by immigration and customs enforcement. Oh, nice. Thanks, Ice. The whistleblower, Don Wooten, was a nurse and former employee. She claims a high rate of sterilizations were performed on Spanish-speaking women and women who spoke various indigenous oh languages common in Latin America. Come on. Wooten said the center did not obtain proper consent for these surgeries or lied to women about the medical procedures. Wow. More than 40 women submitted testimonies in writing to document these abuses, one attorney said. In September 2020, Mexico demanded more information from U.S. authorities on medical procedures performed on migrants in detention centers after allegations that six Mexican women were sterilized without their consent. My God. The ministry said- What is wrong with this country? Girl. The ministry said consulate personnel had interviewed 18 Mexican women who were detained at the center, none of whom had claimed, none of whom, quote, claimed to have undergone a hysterectomy, end quote. But, you know, they had. Wow. Another woman said she had undergone a gynecological operation, although there was nothing in her detention file to support she had agreed to the procedure. Wow. That's the end. I want to jump off a bridge. I can't fucking take it anymore. Wow. I mean, what in the fuck? Women what are, we doing? are not fucking cared for. They disregard us. It doesn't matter who you are. This is what fucking, well, well it doesn't matter. If you're a if woman you're, of color, specifically, yeah. more, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is just a fucking egregious disgusting. fucking thing. It's disgusting. Girl, God damn I'm it. so fucking pissed now. Now I'm, now I'm, now we're mad. I've been pissed all fucking day. This is, uh, oh my God. <sighs> Like I, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Not to mention when you remove someone's uterus, it doesn't send them into, um, uh, they have to take like, a um, like, what am I thinking? When not it, menopause, men, but uh, yeah, but they're, they're, everything's gone, but right. they're, they're you supposed to take, to take p- pills, like yes. hormone pills and yes. things to, because you can't just like willy nilly. Do you think that's like, happening? A hundred percent, like lose your no. uterus. I mean, that's not happening. They're not really taking care of these women. No. They're not telling them. So how no. do they know? How are they doing any sort of care? Also, you know how no, you know how much I know that we're badass feminists that we both did fucking stories on episode one hundred. <laughs> we're like, fuck you, yes. system, fuck <laughs> you. Oh my god, I'm sad now. I know. I'm sorry, okay. but you know, that's what this podcast is. Yes, and, and we have our little muck. Like we had girl with a microphone. We oh, had so the incredible good. Desmond Mean. We have yes. the amazing Denise Horland coming on. So oh my god, I can't we, wait. We have. You know, there are good things out there that we have there to are, keep celebrating. Like I've said before, I'm going to start focusing on local people that I love yeah. and like supporting them and helping them get elected and, and probably really start really focusing on the city where I live because it needs a lot of attention. And I'm, that's what I'm going to do because I, I mean, I hate to say that I'm not going to go support um, all of you fabulous people who are fighting for reproductive rights in Tallahassee, but um, it's discouraging. It, I don't know if I can emotionally like fucking handle all of the disappointment yeah. that's happening. I'm already disappointed. So it's like, I can't face someone like Lauren book because yeah. it's just disappointing. 
I just I want just, I just want people who are actually on the right side to represent us. And well, just, and just I, be who and you're I, supposed well, to be. And I want people to they need they need to show up. If we vote for you, if people vote for you, the one thing that you're expected to do is vote. You're supposed and, to represent and being who a we are. coward and being a coward yeah. and not showing up to vote. Yeah. I feel like that's even worse than voting no. Right. Because you're a coward. Yeah. Because you can't even take a stand. Yeah. It's fucked up. You can't even what take a stand. What do you stand for? What do you stand for? <sighs> it's fucked up. Okay, so listen. Let's let's end one hundred <gasps> on a good note. Yay. Uh, we would not be here without the support of our family and our friends, specifically yes. Alfredo, who helps us every week oh, with like the stories. Alfredi. Although he has very crazy ideas about what this podcast um, should be doing. And he never listens. He only listens to beginning. So yeah. he doesn't even so hear. We can he, talk he, shit right now. He's going to hear us say all these yeah. amazing how much we love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to thank every single person who has been a guest on Little Muck and taken a chance to come yes. on this podcast with us. Anybody who sent us stories. Yes. Anybody who listens. Our and Patreon, Our Patreons who give us money you I crazy know. people and um and you know or anybody 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 who's listened we we love you we appreciate you uh you know we're gonna be doing some giveaways oh yes. let's talk about that giveaways. <laughs> so on friday this comes out wednesday so friday we will be picking our winners for our giveaways we have a ruth bader ginsburg bobblehead which is yes. amazing we have two shirts from anti-hate adventure Ooh. boys what else are we getting and i think we're gonna do like a florida like yes a, a florida a package or something yes something and also cheesy. i was thinking of like a big prize <gasps> would be like, let's get on a Zoom with somebody. Yes. What do you think? Yes, we're okay. going to Zoom with you. <gasps> so we're having, so Yay. pay attention to our social media. Follow us on Instagram at the Muck Podcast. On Twitter, we are just at Muck Podcast. And we will tell you different ways you can win. Yes. I think it's going to be basically like share, share this yes. post, tag two friends, and we'll put you in the drawing to win one of those amazing prizes. <gasps> Yay. And uh, yeah, I think a Zoom would be a fun thing I to do. I think that with would be super fun. Yeah. Um, and besides that, uh, we love you. We love you. And I love you. And I feel like this podcast is the best thing ever. Best thing ever. One hundo bitch. We, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> Tina's a bitch on the podcast. Oh my God. What it's happened? a big day. It's what a big happened? day. Tina turned Uh-oh. into Hillary for a second. For a second. It's over. Don't worry about okay, it. It's, it's over. Bye. I hope you have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you.